Welcome back to the Reading Blues podcast, the place to find out more about the school and to connect with staff, pupils and parents at a deeper level. Each week we'll be interviewing people within the school community, asking them questions and spending time understanding more about them and more about the school. Now in this episode we're going to be talking to Sarah Langdon, member of the sixth form pastoral team who's joined by some of the students from the school, Archie, EJ and Ben. Sarah will tell us all about the Rainbow Flag Award, what it is, why it is that Reading Bluecoat has applied for it and what that means to Sarah. But we'll also get to hear from some of the students, how they've been involved with a Rainbow Flag Award application and what it's like to be part of the LGBT plus community. Now this episode is great. The students and Sarah are very passionate about the Rainbow Flag Award and the LGBT plus community within the school. They open up about the challenges faced, the focus on inclusion and diversity and how things are changing. But enough from me, let me take you into this episode right now as we speak to Sarah, who's joined by Archie, EJ and Ben. Sarah, welcome to this episode of the podcast. How are you today? I'm good, thank you. I've just come from teaching year eights, which involves quite a bit of energy. So I've sort of rushed straight from here and I'm looking forward to sitting down and have a drink and a chat with some good people. Awesome. So year eights, what were you doing with them that required so much energy from them and from you, it seems? They started off with a test on acid and alkali, so that was quite relaxed. But then afterwards, they obviously were kind of a bit excited and bubbly and wanting to compare answers for their test. So, yeah, that required quite a bit of energy to calm them down afterwards. And, and I think they're going to struggle waiting a week to get their results back. But, yeah, I think, I think they were quite positive of how it went. Well, I imagine he says naively that struggling with children that have maybe got too much energy might be easier or, or, or a, a more positive environment instead of str- struggling with children who don't have enough energy. So it's great to hear that they're, that they're bouncing and bubbly. So that's really good. Now, we're going to be talking about a few things in this podcast episode because I believe that the school is in the process of applying for rainbow flag status. I'm going to ask you a little bit more about that in a moment but I also believe that we're joined and we're going to be hearing from three of your students from the sixth form so we'll be talking to them shortly as well but first of all Sarah I wonder if you could tell us what the rainbow flag status is all about. Yeah so um, the rainbow flag award is an award run for schools in particular for schools to show that they're an inclusive and welcoming place for LGBT plus students Schools usually pair up with a partner charity that help us through the award and we're working with a charity called All Sorts that are based in Brighton and they work with schools in the southeast of England. And there's sort of six strands to the award to make sure that our curriculum is inclusive, that we have supportive parents and governors, we need to make sure we've got good pastoral care, we need to make sure that our policies are inclusive, so whenever we're planning for the school that we're taking into account students that are LGBT+. We also need to make sure that our teachers are well-trained so that we know how to support students and make sure that we're inclusive in our language. And I can't remember the sixth round off the top of my head right now, <laughs> but it's, it's, it's all about making sure that together as a school we're working towards supporting our LGBT plus students and it's a welcoming and safe place for them. And we're kind of halfway through the award. We've signed off three of those categories so far and on the 1st of February we'll be signing off the final three. I see. Okay. So just to pick out the first of those, you mentioned about curriculum. How does that change in light of something like the Rainbow Flag Award? So we need to make sure that it's easier in some subjects than others, but to make sure that in everything that we teach, what we're presenting is is both inclusive for the students that are learning it. We're not kind of containing anything that may cause kind of offence or trigger anything, but at the same time that our content is representative of our student body. So for example, in history, 
There's been a lot in the news recently about making sure the history curriculum includes history of the British Empire and slavery and the representation of black people in history. But at the same time, we need to ensure that LGBT plus people in history are presented as well. So I think that's one topic area that it's very easy to do that. My subject, chemistry, that's less easy to do, but there's plenty of other places in the curriculum where we can make sure that we're inclusive. So what students are learning, it looks like them. They're learning about people that are the same as them, not just about what our teachers think might represent society. And you also mentioned about teachers being well-trained. Can you give any examples as to where that's important and, and what kind of things they might need to look out for in order to, to make sure that, that inclusivity is, is right at the top of the agenda? Yeah, I think the most obvious ones is being inclusive in the language that staff use. So that's ensuring that they're not using inappropriate terminology, but also using inclusive terms. So we've got several students in our school that use alternative pronouns, and it's to make sure that staff are aware that that is a thing and that they're using the pronouns that our students want them to use. I think it's also important that they can recognise LGBT plus phobic behaviours so that they can recognise when students might get things wrong and cause offence and that they can sanction those students appropriately and also more importantly educate them so that as a community we are inclusive. So if I was a slightly cynical parent and I was listening to to, to, to what you're talking about here and, and this this award then you know I, I might sort of have the approach or, or the opinion that maybe the school I don't mean red and blue coat but a school might want to do something like this just in order to make itself look more attractive to prospective families looking around for where to send their children to school. What would you say to me if I, if I came along and had that sort of opinion? I think I would present some of the evidence that we gathered before we started the Rainbow Flag Award. So our previous head of sixth form, George Morton, spoke to a number of students and we also had some statistics with various national surveys um, that were given to LGBT plus young people. And there was just like an overwhelming body of evidence to show that this kind of support and inclusivity was needed. And so I think... By presenting that to parents, it's showing we're not just doing this to tick a box and to look attractive to parents. We've identified this need and we are working forwards to, to address that. And I mean, myself personally have always already seen the changes that, that has made to, for some of our students. And I can quite easily evidence to them the impact that has had. And I'm hoping that the students here today will also be able to give you some examples as well of, of how that it has helped them. Looking to the future, I can just see it improving even further and becoming even more inclusive space and I think it's I think the evidence is there that it's needed for the school it's not just a tick boxing box ticking exercise no no great answer I I was hoping that you say something like that and it's reassuring to hear that tell me a little bit about how this looks in everyday life then at Reading Bluecoat so one of the most prominent things I think is the rainbow badges so a lot of members of staff now and even students are wearing rainbow badges to sort of show that they're members of staff that are happy and open to talk about these things. So you'll see a lot of those around. We've got the Newton Society as our LGBT plus society for students, and that runs every Monday. So there's notices in the school about that. There's posters up. So I think it's becoming even more prominent to the wider student body that this is something that we we care about. Our uniform policy in the sixth form has also changed as well to be gender neutral. And whilst only a couple of Um, students have taken advantage of this so far it is a noticeable difference and I think as the years go by more and more students will be taking advantage of the the differences in the uniform policy so that they can express their gender in the way that they want to. 
Awesome. Right, so now we're going to switch across and hear from three of the students at the school, and we're going to come back to Sarah shortly. So we've got EJ, we've got Archie, and we've got Ben with us. Hi all, how are you doing? Hello. Yeah, good, thank you, yeah. Yeah, it's a bit cold this morning, but other than that, yeah, I'm doing good. <laughs> Excellent. Archie, let me ask you first of all, what's been your involvement in, in this Rainbow Flag Award? So the main thing that I've done was with a student who's now left the school, who is a year above me, we started the Newton Society, which I'm now the chairperson for. So the main thing that I've done is around that. But then behind the scenes, I was going a lot with getting the gender neutral uniform policy in. And then this year, we've been doing things with the equalities policy and things like that. And I just sort of film myself with meetings to, around that. Awesome. Tell me about the Newton Society. What's it all about then? It's, it's a basically a safe space where students can come and hang out. It started as, as that, so you can just come along and it's free of judgment and you can sit and you can bring discussions or questions and just learn or chill, meet new people and things like that. But then this year it's evolved. We've grown a lot this year. At the end of last year, we was about, I think it was six people were showing up at, towards the end and we now get over 30 coming to some of the meetings and so we've, we've started planning activities and things like that that we get up to and then like I said with the equalities policy the last Newton meeting we had involved all of us discussing that so we're, we're sort of getting a lot more done now which is really good. Awesome and of course you, you mentioned that you're chairperson of that what does that actually involve then being chairperson I mean? I mean it's mainly stuff behind the scenes uh, in terms of Meetings. So, for example, if something comes up in the school, if students have a problem with something, they will send it through me and then I can raise it with other people and things like that. In terms of around Newton, if we're having a discussion week as opposed to an activity, I might bring something with me to discuss, something that I've seen on the internet or something like that. So during one meeting, we had a really good discussion where me and Ray, who's a co-chair person, with me, we brought along a piece about TikTok and transphobia and, and right-wing politics, and that became the discussion of that of, of that session. Just to gain a little bit of an insight into that, that TikTok and that discussion that you were having, what was that surrounding? What was the topic within that? So it was looking at TikTok will recommend people transphobic content or people will see transphobic content, and if react or interact in any way with that content... TikTok, there was a study and it found that TikTok will then recommend not just transphobic content but right-wing content as a whole to what is very young and impressionable audiences which was just really interesting and quite scary so that became the topic of discussion that week. Wow, it's really interesting to hear you, you discussing that. EJ, I've got a couple of quick questions for you now. It's really good hearing Archie explaining all about that and getting their opinion on that. Do you think, with regarding social media, I mean, it's something that a lot of us hear about, you know, this, that kind of example that Archie gave. Do you, do you think that social media companies are doing enough to address this sort of thing? Or do you think they're actually making the problem worse by, you know, recommending that kind of content? I think they're definitely making the problem worse because I think with social media, because there's not much sort of policing and there's not much like fact checking on it, you sort of end up with sort of so much misinformation and then especially things surrounding sort of LGBTQ issues. It's very much like with all that misinformation, it has a really like negative effect on the community. Hmm. Especially if sort of like someone the age of 14 was on social media and they sort of see something transphobic 
and they then end up sort of agreeing with it and believing it because they don't know what's wrong about it. And then when they then go out into the world and interact with trans people, they'll sort of go with a negative outlook and it can sort of have quite a big effect. A lot of the mm. arguments made on social media around those issues seem quite reasonable at face value, but they are sort of slowly worming themselves in and catching people and giving them those negative viewpoints about trans people and the, the LGBT plus community as a whole. And when you catch them at a young age, at like 14, you then, people don't know what's wrong about those arguments and so they seem so reasonable and they catch people in really quickly. I think especially with social media, as it's evolved nowadays, it's very easy to dig yourself into a hole of, inf of misinformation and it kind of becomes an echo chamber where you just hear your own views reinforced again and again because that's what you enjoy hearing. Ben, thank you for that. School is undeniably a very different place today than it would have been for when some of the parents who are listening to this might have experienced it, I'm thinking, in the 80s and the 90s. Do you think enough is being done to address LGBT plus issues in school? I think the most important thing that we are seeing at the moment is the schools expressing a willingness to change. As opposed to, like, schools can quite often be really hard to turn around. But once the movement started, it's much easier to keep it going. And I think especially this year, we've been seeing a, a really big shift in just attitude towards all of this. I know... I came out at the start of this year and the reaction from my year group has been absolutely incredible, I have to say. I've only had a few cases of, of like homophobia and things like that and they've been shut down by the general group. I didn't even have to shut them down myself and that's just been amazing. I think especially, I use Archie as a counterpoint, who came out a couple years before me and had a much more negative experience. It's just the shift between, even in those two years, the change has been incredible. And I think that's really positive, looking forward. It's the shift in confidence between like, as Ben said, when I came out and I was actually outed as well. And so the shift in confidence between like when I came out and, and how I felt and then people's reactions to it, now seeing the confidence that people like Ben and EJ have to be open about themselves, is, it's a huge difference in a very short period of time. That's, that's really good to hear, Archie. And it's really good to hear that trend is heading in that positive direction. I mean, it's incredible how things have changed, like you suggest, in the last two years. Of course, 20, 30 years before now, it's a time that, that none of you will know. Um, but I, I think everyone listening to this can definitely vouch for it being a very different world. If we just talk about pronouns for a second, Ben, I think you mentioned about when people are willing to try to get things right. Archie, do you find that when it comes to pronouns, that's an area where, where people are often willing to, to try to get it right, but sometimes get it wrong? And is that kind of better than someone not even trying to get it right in the first place? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Because if someone's not trying to get it right, then they're bound to get it wrong. Whereas if someone's trying to get it right, they'll at least get it right some of the time. And I think that pronouns are a big change. You know, people who have known me since year seven have used he, him pronouns. And then sort of going into year 12 and 13, when I've, I've changed that, uh, it's a big change for people who, who only know me with those other pronouns. But the fact is that almost everyone in the year who knows about those pronouns, they've put the effort in and everyone's going to make mistakes. I will misgender myself on a regular 
a basis just purely because it's what I'm used to hearing and it's still what I hear a lot of the time. So as long as people are trying, there's there's no issue with it because it is that willingness to try that is almost more than enough. Awesome. And EJ, do you find that when it comes to pronouns, is there more of a willingness to accept within the younger age group? I, I mean, sort of friends of yours, as opposed to possibly older family members? Yeah, almost definitely. I think sort of with younger people, because the sort of the environment they've been growing up in is a lot more accepting than it would have been for when sort of like the older generations were growing up. And so because they're more sort of exposed to it and it's more, there's more positivity online and just general positivity in society, there's, they're sort of much more used to it and sort of willing to sort of use whatever pronouns for people and be more accepting. Interesting. And do you have any good tips at all for maybe for parents that are trying to adopt a new pronoun that they may well be getting wrong or, or they may well just be struggling with it themselves? What suggestions do you have to help them get over that? Well, I think it needs to, for example, with my parents, when I changed my pronouns, it was sort of, it took them a lot of getting used to. But I think it takes sort of willingness from both sides of sort of me understanding that it is difficult to use sort of different pronouns if they've been using one set for about 15 years and then I decide to change it. It's sort of quite tricky, but then it's also sort of willingness of me to sort of accept that it's hard, but also stand up for myself and sort of point out when they get it wrong. Because if there's sort of acceptance from both sides, it sort of, it gets a lot easier. And my parents, they're generally pretty good about it. And when they do get it wrong, I, they either catch themselves and sort of correct themselves or they sort of, or I'll correct them and they'll be like, oh, right, yeah, sorry. And so it's sort of, yeah, it's sort of generally quite sort of positive in that sense. But there needs to be sort of both sides need to be sort of willing to sort of try. Mm. I think just having that understanding of, allowing one side to make mistakes but the other side allowing themselves to be corrected and making sure that that doesn't get like become anything heated or anything like that I think if as long as you stay along that and have that understanding and respect to each other I think it's it's reasonably easy so to speak and then a question for all three of you really do you do you think that after you leave school and you join university that things may be different in terms of a general acceptability and, and sorry general acceptance and and I don't mean that anything at all against reading blue coat and just thinking about the fact that in a university environment people tend to be more able to express themselves more freely yeah i think that as as great as blue coat has been with with being willing to move forwards universities have a much wider range of people coming in they're people coming in from different countries and all over this country and just having that level of diversity I, I think is almost guaranteed to make the place more accepting because you know where we are now is quite a, a stereotypically you know this this school is more well off and as a result of that it, it will and given just the location of the school as well you're less likely to have certain levels of diversity and so going into uni I think you'll end up with just by sheer the fact it's uni and where people are coming from and how many people there are you're almost guaranteed to end up with more acceptance I think that's how diversity works yeah I think to add to that as well when you get to university everyone will literally be older so just the maturity levels will be higher all across the board because yeah we the school's really good but it is still a school there are still children here it's like <laughs> yeah 
at university, everyone is literally older, everyone's more responsible, part of society, and I think that is a massive difference in terms of acceptance and diversity. When you join uni, you're looking up to people who are like in their 20s, whereas you join Bluecoat at year 7 and you're looking up to people who are year 11, and year 11s are hardly mature by any stretch of society as a whole. So just, yeah, that, that's a very good point. And Archie, I understand you'll be leading a couple of assemblies on this subject as well. Tell us a bit more about that. Yeah, so I'm currently confirmed at least four assemblies for year 10 and year 9. And I was speaking to staff the other day, Ms. Plowman, the head of year 8, about an assembly for year 8 as well. And later down the line, year 7 and 11 would be great as well. And then the main thing that I've been working on is a sixth form special, which is in sixth form, instead of having... PSHE, we have uh, specials which are where speakers come in and talk for sort of 45 minutes to an hour about a subject that relates to the PSHE curriculum and I've volunteered myself to talk about LGBT plus issues both as doing some sort of basic education, explaining what they are uh, in terms of different sexualities and, and gender and things like that and then also talking about some personal experiences and things like that as to sort of why it's an issue and why we should be talking about it. That's commendable stuff, Archie, that really is. And I'm sure that everyone there will benefit a lot from what you've got to say on that. So thank you for sharing that with us. Sarah, just coming back to you now, just wondering if you've remembered what that sixth strand is yet. Yes, I have. It was student voice, which is somewhat apt, seeing as this whole episode has been somewhat about student voice. I guess work we've done on in school, as Archie mentioned, that Newton Society have been quite heavily involved in reviewing our policies. So rather than just the school writing a new dress code, writing a new equalities policy and enforcing that on the students, we've been really keen to get their feedback to make sure that it's something that is workable and usable and future proof so that it represents all, all students that we will have in our community. Excellent. That's really good. I'm glad you remember the sixth one. It, it's to anyone listening. It's not easy when you're on a podcast recording to, to remember things offhand like that. So, Sarah, that's really good. We need to bring this episode to a close in a moment. But if anyone's heard anything and they wanted to get in touch, Sarah, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, they're more than welcome to, if it's directly about the Rainbow Flag and Award and the Newton Society, they're more than welcome to get in touch directly with me. Otherwise, I think the school, is, the school office reception is always open to inquiries and they'll be directed towards the appropriate person. Awesome. Well, look, Sarah, Archie, EJ and Ben, thank you all for being here and talking about this sometimes sensitive subject, but in particular for your efforts to normalise it. Thank you very much, all of you. No, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So that was Sarah, joined by Archie, EJ and Ben, sixth form students, talking all about the Rainbow Flag Award and the larger LGBT plus community. Thank you everyone for joining us on this episode of the podcast. It was great hearing from you. And if you want to learn even more about the Rainbow Flag Award, then you can visit www.rainbowflagaward.co.uk. Now, our next episode is coming out soon. But in the meantime, thank you for listening to this one. Don't forget to follow or subscribe so you can stay in touch. And we look forward to seeing you next time. Bye for now.